Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. I'm Joe Devine. Welcome to Whiteboard Football Extra. Today, I'm joined by Seb Stafford-Bloor to talk about what Daniel Levy has described as unsustainable spending in the Premier League, and also the effect of a, to this point, lacklustre transfer window for Tottenham specifically. Before we get started, though, I'd like to ask if regular listeners could be so kind as to review and rate this podcast on iTunes. It really does help us reach more people, so if you can spare the time to do that, that'd be amazing. We won't hear from Danny and Matt this week, uh, but they are still out in the Netherlands. New videos of their journey will be up on the channel on Saturdays, so do check in for those. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. Seb, I want to ask you about Daniel Levy's statement last week, uh, or a couple of weeks ago, actually, regarding Tottenham's transfer policy. Um, This summer, we've seen the top clubs in the Premier League spend a lot of money, with projections suggesting that the league is set to break the window record of 1.1 billion this year um, as it seems to do every year nowadays in the middle of all of this Tottenham Tottenham haven't signed any players um, despite selling on Carl Walker for 45 million Levy's financial explanation for this was twofold firstly that the club are privately financing the building of their new stadium which is going to cost around 750 million pound and secondly he described uh, the league's spending generally as unsustainable. So that, that I think find that quite interesting. Um, added to that, obviously, Pochettino has a lot of faith in the academy and the club would reportedly rather give their youth opportunities than spend on bringing players in unless they're going to you know, make a, a, a visible difference. Uh, so I wanted to get your, your thoughts on all of that um, regarding both the idea that spending is unsustainable more generally and more specifically to Tottenham, the effect that a lack of business this summer might have on the team? Yeah, I mean, they are two very separate issues. I mean, with regards to the sustainability, I mean, um, I think, Joe, if we look back on uh, the last 20 or 30 years of football, um, there has always been a sort of quiet voice in the back of all of our minds saying that, you know, this can't go on for much longer. And I think you could probably trace that back even as far as Trevor Francis uh, when he moved to Nottingham Forest, um, broke the transfer record and became the first million-pound player. But, I mean, I, I think um, we're actually recording this as, as Neymar is about to, to, to finalise his transfer to Paris Saint-Germain. And I, I don't think anybody of right mind could say that that is, a, if you add in all the kind of the tax implications and the, the bonuses uh, and the wages, how that kind of transfer um, can be sustainable. So I, I think Daniel Levy has a point. I think um, uh, we're, at a, we're at a strange time where... Um, we assume that because of the things which have been reported about Sky Sports and their overspend for the last broadcasting contract, there's this kind of weird assumption that we've now hit the peak of of the um, the Premier League's sort of global worth, and that the you know as and when the the broadcasting deal is renegotiated, um, there'll be a slight at least a leveling out. Um, whereas you know previously we've seen big spikes you know um, every couple of years on the, on, on its value. Um, the, the one thing I'd say is that I, I don't know how anyone can predict that accurately um, because it's a, it's an unknown situation. There is no real precedent. Um, 
So yes, Daniel Levy has a, a a broad point in the sense that no, you shouldn't be spending more than you can bring in. But you know, football has this habit of recalibrating and you know creating new revenue streams from absolutely nowhere. Um, and I also think that sort of you know we, we've we've started to see things like uh, you know the, the sponsorship market opened up a little bit in terms of um, okay, so previously um, you were allowed a single sponsor on a, on a Premier League football shirt. Now, obviously, we, we've allowed a, a new market where you're allowed to place a, a new sponsor, new brand on a sleeve. I think in time, if there is a sort of, uh, if there is a leveling out in the broadcasting contract, then I, I, I expect that will go further so that you'll see sort of, if you, if you look at sort of French football shirts or uh, some of the shirts in the Eredivisie, Divisie, you know, that there is a lot more sponsorship on there. And I, I think... Um, Perhaps I we'll think get to the point where, you know, for, for those of you who don't live in London, uh, what we see nowadays is... Uh, buses that, whilst they previously had sort of banner space for advertising on them, are now painted solely in the colours of the brand and there you uh, go. are no longer red. I think that's what we'll move towards. I mean, I, I, I think it's it's objectionable, of course, but I think it's natural. I mean, um, you know, the, the Premier League, if you if you present a Premier League, to, uh, an argument to the Premier League about making money, they will always sort of fall on the side of, well, yes, that would be a nice idea. Um, and so I, I think... Um, you know, give it ten years, and I imagine there'll be there'll be brands stenciled on the actual fields themselves. Maybe I mean, you say there's no precedent for you know being able to predict this process of of, of building coming towards an end, but and perhaps there isn't within football. I mean, I would argue that in individual cases, there definitely you know there definitely is. If you look at what's happened to some football clubs, there's no real precedent for it necessarily at the very top level, and that's what we're talking about here when we're talking about players like Neymar. But outside of football. There is definitely precedent for a boom and bust cycle. We're within oh, the financial without question. market in itself. I mean, it's 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 a, to to my mind, it's it's essentially unquestionable that at some point it cannot continue to grow because even from a very basic conceptual level, Seb, you have to agree that growth could not exist if recession didn't. One concept relies on the other to to even exist as a word in the first place. Yeah, no, well, it's an it's ah, uh, it's an inarguable point. Of course, it is. But um, in this instance, um, my hesitation is, you know, it relates to kind of the the, the, the level of popularity of football. I think, um, uh, and also history, because I, I, as I said before, I mean, we've reached at least one point every decade for for as long as I've been alive, where people have said exactly the same thing. This is the moment where where football sustainability. Um, becomes questionable and this is when you know the market rebalances itself and the game reverts to some kind of vague normality i i just i don't know i i i just all, all i'm really saying here is that i would be hesitant in in anointing this as the point which matters in the game's history just because mm. i've thought the same so many times and every every five years we're at a different level we're at a different peak we're at a sort of um we've reached a new level of disgustingness um and you know, I, I, I just, I'm just wary. Um, Levy, so yeah, what he, what he says is sensible. I, I think in relation to Tottenham, I, I think, um, I, I hope I'm wrong. I think Tottenham have made a, a grave mistake this summer because um, they, what they've said doesn't quite tally with what they've reportedly tried to do. So their, their kind of, their basic problem is that they have a very strong first 11, but a very strict wage structure. So, um, the top earners at White Hart Lane or Wembley, or even um, are um, Hugo Lloris and Harry Kane, both earning um, uh, either very close to or literally a hundred thousand pounds a week. But nobody will earn more than that until the new stadium is built. 
Um, the problem Tottenham have is not necessarily um, spending the money on securing the transfer itself, but on on paying a player who's good enough to fit into that first team less than £100,000, which is a very understandable yeah. issue. I think what most Tottenham fans would say is not, we need a new centre-forward or a new centre-back or a new midfielder. It's more, there aren't, there isn't, an awful lot below that surface level. So sufficient I, squad strength. I it? don't think so. And and the, the clubs the clubs' response to that would be that well, you know, we have faith in our academy, and and um, yeah, I I, I I think that's all well and good. But a, a youth player is a um, is a is almost a hologram in a sense until he becomes a professional because every every sport in the country will relate to this, and that you know every 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 team has these sort of these 16, 17 year old players who, who people whisper about and uh, project greatness onto and, and, and assume are going to become first team regulars within seconds of stepping onto the pitch. It just doesn't work like that. I, I sort of a Harry Kane is a generational talent. If that, um, I think in the last 20 years, really Tottenham have produced two academy players of note, Ledley King, of course, uh, Harry Kane, you know, Harry Winks, um, a young midfielder at Tottenham, may well become a third because he's an extremely good player who will almost certainly play for England, I think. Um, but you, I, I think it's a grave mistake to um, to assume progression. And is it, is it maybe a danger of having Maurizio Pochettino as your manager in that perhaps you might, having seen his track record with young players and knowing about his talents there, um, the, the club might put too much faith in him uh, to bring forth members of the academy to replace you know first team members when they're not quite ready well i i don't know it, it, it's very hard to say i think that um there's certainly the conditions certainly exist for a kind of an um you know a, a, a essentially a leap of faith which you know doesn't really belong in modern football um i think he's i think pochettino is owed the right to dictate terms about what he wants his first team environment to be what i would question is whether um, the reality that the club has presented, uh, I think Daniel Levy, within the, the 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 statement that you quoted earlier, he also said that there there hasn't been a player that that we've identified as being worthwhile that we couldn't afford. Um, it, depending on who you listen to, that's not strictly true. I think there's although they, they they haven't necessarily been reported, there are several very connected journalists who claim that actually Tottenham have tried three or four times to. Um, to, to 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 sign a player this summer, but with no joy. Um, so I think I, I I don't think the problem is necessarily the club's financial situation because I I, I think a lot of fans accept it. I mean, they they understand. I mean, this, the, the new stadium is literally being built, so there is tangible evidence for for why the, the situation is as it is. Um, but I think there's a, a sort of a, a cycle of disinformation that the club have got themselves into, and I think um, a lot of this frustration could be alleviated with a little bit more clarity in my mind because we are recording this on the 2nd of August the season is 10 days away and Tottenham look extremely thin I mean you know that they unquestionably they they have a team that can contend a first team that can contend with the contend for the Premier League title but at the time of not writing speaking um Moussa Dembele is not going to be fit for the first game of the season nor is Victor Wanyama nor is Danny Rose nor is Eric Lamella I mean, you, you could you, also argue, I suppose, from you know, from the the style of football that Tottenham very attritional physically, exactly, and so that it, it's unlikely that, like for you know, for example, Leicester City. I mean, one of the other things I was going to say when you were talking earlier was that it, it's interesting to to think about how and why a team 
does well. And I think one of the things that Leicester, sh- Leicester City showed, um, and while this is you know a, a bit of an anomaly, what they did show was that I think together togetherness and the right mental vibe going into a season is very important. Yes. And Claudio Ranieri obviously was able to do an incredible job of sustaining that positivity, and that made a massive difference on the pitch. And these are sort of um, unidentifiable, un- unidentifiable outliers, really things that you can't really account for. But if you look around the league uh, and we try to account for it, Tottenham is one of the teams that I would look at and go very strong sense of team cohesion there. The manager is very popular at the club. The players all seem to like each other. The lack of addition uh, may hurt the club, you know, in in, in, a term, in in the sense of lack of squad strength. And as you said, there's a certain level of, of physical attrition given the style of play. So it's unlikely that you'll go through the season like Leicester City did, lucky with injuries. Well, um, Joe, also but, factor in the Champions League. I mean, Leicester City... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Leicester City competed on one front when they won the. Uh, I'm not trying to diminish their achievement, but no, no. Not, not at all. But I, I um, you know, they're there uh, again. I mean, Liverpool under Brendan Rodgers were a very good example. Chelsea under Antonio Conte, it is just easier mm-hmm. because you have fewer games and and uh, you know the athletic demands are less. I think the the point you make about Pochettino is is absolutely right. I think Carl Walker, for instance. I, I know a lot of supporters got angry about the sort of um, the whispers that began in sort of March and April, but it was very apparent um, that you know uh, Walker Walker's attention drifted, um, and the moment that happened, even to the detriment of his own side, because Walker is a superior player to Kieran Trippier, he was gone. He was he was left out of all the important games. He was left out of the North London derby, the FA Cup semi final, primarily because he had strayed from the pack. And, you know, there are a lot of fans that got very angry about that and not about Pochettino, but, but towards sort of any journalist um, reporting. I think if you if you if you if you look back at um, I think it was uh, Jack Pitbrook who, who who broke that story, I think maybe March or something. And the abuse he got was just dreadful. Um, but it was an example of Pochettino saying, OK, well, then if you're not with us, then you're on the outside now. And, um, you know, he was I mean, I, I know people have said that sort of Walker's departure is an indication that Tottenham are now a selling club again. Not true. Pochettino wanted himself. No. Um, I, and I have to agree, and I think as well, you know, it's it's clear that there is some active intention from Pochettino to, as best he can, and whilst it's an impossible job to, you know, be able to control all of these individual elements totally, as best he can, he wants to curate the... Uh, the I don't know the, the right word to use it. I don't want to say vibe, vibe again, but I guess I'm going to have to curate I the, atmosphere. the right atmosphere. Yeah, well, I, I, I suppose protect the meritocracy or, mm. you know, um, ironclad the unity. However you want to dress it up, I, I, I think it's very true. I, the thing is, Joe, is that it's not a mutually exclusive situation. You, 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 can, you can do that and you can protect the environment and guard all of your intangibles. But you, you, you do have to play along with the modern game a little bit in the sense that you have to respect what works and what doesn't. And Absolutely. You, but you, then, you, for example, you know, you've said this yourself before. We, we mentioned um, recently Ross Barkley, who'd been, uh, you know, in the newspapers kind of reported as a, maybe a, a, a of interest to Tottenham. But one of the issues that, that you brought up around that was that he wanted more money than Tottenham are, are going to be, are going to, pay any player and introducing that element into a dressing room is the opposite of maintaining that you know uh, well, I, carefully curated atmosphere for a lot of reasons i mean i think if it was if we were talking about a better player 
it becomes it's still an issue but it's less of a one but it, i think if you were to say i mean we're, we're picking an arbitrary figure here if you were to pay ross barkley one hundred twenty thousand pounds a week um for uh, i mean the, the message it sends to a harry kane a hugo loris a toby aldevaro the Jan Vertonghen, is is so destructive potentially because two things then happen the first obviously is that every player under that wage is knocking on Daniel Levy's door asking for a renegotiation. Secondly, it's a bit more tenuous, but secondly, you 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 create a threat to the morale because your Ross Barkley um respectfully has never really done anything in football. He is a he's a theory. He's a he's quite a good player. He's done some nice things at Everton. He's scored a few memorable goals. But in terms of actually proving that he's worth anything like that number, no, he's he's nothing. Um so the the threat to to the harmony is enormous. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Yeah, as you say, the the effect on other players, the effect on on team morale and team cohesion as well. Because I think you know everyone is an, is an individual these days. I think everyone looks at the world, um, you know, through through their own eyes, and and whether you want to or not, as if you're the centre of that world. Footballers are in a, in a almost you know sympathetic and perilous position in that they are paid an awful lot of money they're told repeatedly that they're very very special and very very important and uh, it would be very difficult I imagine for you know your Harry Canes uh, to accept that someone like Ross Barkley who is ostensibly inferior to you uh, as a football player comes into your club and gets paid more money than you you're not really going to like that person and, very much. And, and I would that's... entirely side with Harry Kane on that or any other player or Deli Ali because it's it's fair. Like, I mean, we, we sort of, as civilians, we look at football and, you know, we say, well, why isn't £80,000 enough? And, and, and that's fine. But if you if you add the context of what these guys, if you, if you pretend that, that Tottenham is just a, you know, uh, is just a normal office and you, you, do, you divide their salaries by 10, then all of a sudden you can relate to it and thinking, yeah, hang on, why is that guy any more than me? We can all relate to that, um, and that affects your your morale. And 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 so yes, you 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 have to you ha- you have to defer to to what football is sometimes. And um, I would suggest also though that you, you probably have to divide their salaries by more than ten. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I forget <laughs> my, my 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 GCSE maths is not a like high point mm. in my life, so forgive me. But um, I'd say fifty. Yeah, um, probably that's something being like generous. That. that is being generous. You know, you're, you're quite right. I, I um, mm-hmm. but I, I I think um, the other thing with the Ross Barkley, interestingly, is that um, one one of the theories behind his kind of because the obvious question about him is that um, you know, what would be so wrong with you staying at Everton? I mean, it's never hurt yeah. your international chances. Everton are progressive and you're spending money. Um, and one of the one of the sort of theories is that um, he doesn't like the way he's managed by Ronald Koeman, and he doesn't like the sort of he he was supposedly highly indulged by Roberto Martinez, and um, Koeman is is much more of a disciplinarian. He's a much more uh, he's a much more authoritative figure, um, and he and he, he favors a team. He favors a team, but then you, you think, well, I, I know there are some key differences. Ideologically, him and Pochettino are not that far apart as people, as managers. And you think, well, you look okay, at. I mean, as you said, you already described how Pochettino dealt with the Kyle Walker situation without without sort of any kind of, um, you know, uh, emotional hesitation. It was like, okay, right, you're done. And and then you know you saw how quickly the transfer was actually completed. Daniel Levy wanted his asking price, and that delayed it. But I think that um, Pochettino was certainly absolutely fine to. If you saw the difference between. Um, Manchester United, Manchester City's pursuit of Kyle Walker and Manchester United's pursuit of Eric Dyer. Dyer wasn't for sale and wasn't sold. 
whereas Carl Walker very much was for sale, but you know, Walker, uh, Levy wanted as much as possible out of Man City and, and got it. Fair play to him for that. Um, but, it, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I hear a lot of people saying, well, you know, Barkley, if you're able to get Barkley in, in under the uh, sort of the, the, the wage structure, you know, Pochettino would do his magic. Well, you know, you hear that, but it's actually quite a generic phrase. Where is the, where is the detailed reasoning for that happening? I mean, I, I, I don't really understand it. A player that sort of, you know, wants to be given free reign at Everton and, and sort of because he hasn't been, he's sort of, he's determined to walk away from what is a very lucrative contract off of all accounts. I think at the, you know, he would actually probably, if he were to sign for Tottenham, he'd have to take a wage cut. No, it's interesting. And, and Ross Barkley more generally as well is uh, an example of a luxury player whose time is potentially coming, you know, to a close in the current era of, of, of football. I mean, I've talked to Alex Stewart about this before from a, from a tactical point of view. I'd be keen to get your opinion on it as well, sir, because Ross Barkley, and I, and I know that there are plenty or too many reasons why he's compared to Wayne Rooney and that they're not, you know, so similar in terms of, of play style. But he, he, you know, he plays that number 10 role. He enjoys the idea of the free role. He wants to be the creative without necessarily, and I don't want to do him a disservice, but without necessarily all of the, you know, defensive effort or being defensively minded. But as, you know, football tactically moves forwards, I think what we're seeing um, grow in popularity is, uh, I suppose, there's plenty of different things, but two examples. Firstly, one of them is uh, Pochettino's Tottenham, who are all very well drilled, who all have specific jobs to do, you know, who all work as a team, and they're much more of a unit than a group of individuals. Uh, and Pep Guardiola's team, who, you know, stylistically play quite differently to Tottenham, but very, very similar. You know, they they all have specific jobs to do, and whilst it might appear that there's lots of uh, free reign on the field that that's not really accurate when you understand the kind of training that they undergo and the kind of intent the intensity of Guardiola's positional play requires a, 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 you know a ridiculous amount of focus and, and concentration uh, in in some ways you could argue that from an individual point of view it's much more rigid to achieve what they do that looks free-flowing overall so Russ Barkley and other players other players like Meza Ozil who's obviously a fantastic football player um they they're finding themselves nowadays in a situation where they are luxury players in a league that you know can't quite afford them. I mean, if you as you said, Ross Barkley wants to earn over a hundred thousand pounds. So Tottenham, who finished second in the league last season, can't afford to to not necessarily from a financial point of view, but they can't afford from a footballing point of view to carry a player like that. You know, Arsenal have the same issue with Meza Ozil. It's, it's unfortunate for them because Meza Ozil is obviously one of their, you know, best three players, you could argue. Um, but they repeatedly find that to feature him in the team, they have to you know, they have to move a couple of other they objects which might not be beneficial to them. Essentially, exactly. somewhere else. And yeah. we're moving into a period in football, tactically speaking, where it, where it seems like that concession isn't worth the payoff anymore. And so these players... You know, Ross Barkley, you think, where else is he going to go? I was just thinking about that when you were saying he could stay at Everton. He wants to get paid that much money, so there's only a certain number of clubs who can afford to pay him that, none of whom really are looking to move into a position where they want to buy a luxury player like that and or that they couldn't get a better one. This is the thing, because I, I think there's still a, you know, even though football has evolved, I think you could say, if to use your Arsenal example, I think you could say that... Uh, a player like Alexis Sanchez, for instance, is given a relatively free role. I mean, not not in the traditional sense of the description, but 
you know, he is encouraged to drift. He is encouraged to kind of ad-lib his way through games a little bit from the left side. Um, I think if you want to be that, that, if you want that role, you have to be a far better player than Ross Barkley is or promises to be. Um, like there is a chasm between what Alexis Sanchez is and, and the, the sort of the extremity of Ross Barkley's potential. Um, there's no comparison made at all. I, I, I think what's interesting is that um, one of the theories doing the rounds in the sort of Tottenham social media community is that, um, and actually, you know, this has been reported by, by, by uh, I think, Matt Hughes at the Times, that Pochettino sees Barkley eventually as a kind of long-term successor to, to, to Misa Dembele, which I find extremely difficult to to understand because Dembele in a, in a sense is, is really a, a kind of a footballing unicorn he is a um a very very strange footballer to watch because he he's this odd blend of ridiculous upper body strength and close control and you know he's he's entirely unique within the context of the Premier League there is there he has no there is no player elsewhere that I'd really compare with him one of one of his features though though is that he never really puts the ball at risk. He sometimes gets dispossessed and he takes, you know, you know, one chance too many. But generally with his passing, he'll rarely make a pass which is more than sort of 10 or 15 yards. He'll never really sort of, he's not the kind of player, for instance, who will ping a Hollywood ball 40 yards to from one wing to another. Um, he's not even someone from the middle of the pitch. He plays, you know, through balls over the top of a defence. He is a, he will occasionally cut through a line of possession, but he's, he's, he's there to carry the ball. Ross Barkley, I mean, what, the one thing that is the, the the negative that has existed around him since he first stepped on a foot pitch in England is he puts the ball in harm's way all the time. He he's technically very gifted. He can certainly he's strong. So when he receives the ball, he can kind of pirouette away from a player, hold a player off. But if you talk to an Everton fan about Ross Barkley, uh, people who watch him, you know, for every minute of every game, he's a maddening footballer because he runs down cul-de-sacs. He 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 seems almost to have too much faith in his own ability. Um, I I don't think he's a bad player, but the idea of trying to convert him into the kind of player that Musa Dembele is is I I, I think Mauricio Pochettino is one of the, the very best coaches in the world. I think that's a real stretch. I, I think you're you're I think it's the kind of risk that you could understand if we were talking about a player who was maybe worth ten to fifteen million pounds and who was twenty. Ross Barkley's twenty-four. The fee is reportedly around forty to fifty million pounds. It's that to, to to sort of acknowledge that you're basically that to make a transfer work of that size, you would have to break a player down to his basic um, ingredients and rebuild him. It's extraordinary. And also the suggestion that you know there is no other player in world football who you could do this with other than Ross Barkley. Just mm. I just don't go along with that. And, and I um, well, I mean, Alan Smith converted from. Centre forward to a, yeah, to a holding not, midfielder, not brilliantly. I mean, he he sort of sure. he, he he did okay. He just looked hey, like hey, a player. Come now, Seb. Come now. He, he, he did he, do it though. He did better than I thought he would do at it. It just he always looked like a player who was sort of that was playing via textbook. He was sort of he was having to think about what he should be doing rather than kind of he didn't. I don't think he ever had a feel for the role. He just you know he was a combative player and he he you know he he um he was passable. I wouldn't say he was he was good, but uh, Barkley, I don't I don't understand it. And I also it, it goes back to sort of there are you know if if you're willing to sort of you know to to think of if you're thinking along the lines of of rebuilding footballers and and repurposing them, 
then that the, the line always around Tottenham is that, that you know there's such a tiny pool of of, of players that they can they can choose from. Yeah, it's kind of true, but you, you could you could very easily uh, look at a player, someone like um, I don't know um, Will Hughes, who moved for eight million pounds to Watford. Not yeah. a player that is currently good enough to play for Tottenham, but with the sort of the abilities that he has, the ability to carry the ball, to pass the ball. He's actually a relatively good defender. Mm. You would think that actually um, that is a, a a closer sort of. Um, sorry, my phone's going off. Um, that is a that is a uh, a more logical approach to trying to build Dembele two point mm. um, And yeah, I, I, it's just it, I, what we said at the beginning that Tottenham's activity is is very ill defined and, and very vague, and what their intentions are. You know, the, the whole thing is incredibly nebulous. Um, and yet, here we are, first week of August, and and still it's the same. There's no, there's yeah. no clarity. There's no, and all the while, you know, the, the the fans have had to watch almost every each one of their rivals spend uh, spend in excess of 100 million pounds. It's it's very strange. And it, I, is, I, I, it is strange. You know what else is strange, Sam? Yeah, uh, that you exist in 2017, and that your phone isn't on vibrate. Uh, the thing is, is that my phone is on vibrate, but it is paired with my iPad. Ah. So when I said my phone is going off, my phone was silently um, lighting up, but my but iPad, your iPad was making which noise. is the thing is it's currently out of reach. So if I was to silence it, I would have to leave my microphone. And, <laughs> I, well, and I was I was confused because you know I, I I'm the sort of person who goes and sits on a train, and then when someone's phone rings. I'm just very confused as to where they where they exist. Where where do you exist? No one's phone rings anymore. Yeah, it just I agree. Makes it a, vibrates. It vibrates. It makes a makes a feeling. It makes a yeah. feeling in your leg. Have you ever had phantom uh, phone ringing? Phantom leg vibration. Which of us hasn't? It's it's a horrible uh, affliction, isn't it? And it's, it's kind of. I, of I, I think there's a psychological uh, psychological aspect to that. It's kind of a uh, you know. Are you feeling it or are you wanting your phone to ring because no one calls you? It's, well, that's probably why it happens to me all of the you're time. You're thinking, you know, my phone's ringing. No, you know, it hasn't hasn't rung since 2011. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. What we should do now, if you if you don't mind giving me another couple of minutes of your time, sir, uh, pleasure. I, w- I would like to address some questions from uh, the the viewers of the, of the UMAX at YouTube channel. Okay, um, pro- probably questions to to videos that you have no uh, right or need to to answer. But I'm going to ask you anyway because you're here. Okay. Unmesh Data, uh, I'm sorry if I'm saying your your name wrong, uh, but um, they commented on the last podcast asking us, what do you guys think of the PSG bid and its effect on the inflation of football players' prices? That's interesting. We, we touched on that slightly uh, before. I'm not really, I haven't really followed this story, though. I mean, what what is the actual uh, reported okay. bid? So... so... The latest this morning, and obviously this is subject to change, is that he will move for somewhere in the region of two hundred and twenty million pounds. Right, that's just the transfer, but that doesn't include any. Of that the... doesn't include anything else. That is just the basic bid. So when you add it all up with the tax and everything, what I think it comes to around half a billion. And what are his wages likely to be? I have no idea. But, but we can assume they're I'm, very high. Not under £100,000 a week. <laughs> no, he's not moving to Spurs. So. He's not. Let's just I, say, I mean, for let example, that, go. Yeah. that they were half a million. Yeah. Is that absurd? Maybe it's not anymore. I don't know. We live in a, it, a surreal world. It is. But I, I think the way to answer Nesh's question is that um, 
I think it's such a stupid transfer. I mean, not stupid in the, the general sense, the ridiculous nonsense this is about. Because I think the, the consensus is this is a transfer which is about more than football. It's about legitimacy. It's about ego. And it's about brand. I think mm. as a result, the, sort of the, the, the happy implication is that I don't think it affects it. Because I think we've reached a level of ridiculousness, which is kind of, it is what it is already. It didn't need Paris Saint-Germain to spend what they're about to spend to make it absurd. Um, and so I, I think in a way, it really is an outlier. I mean, obviously, it's a, it is anyway, because it's a new transfer record. But in the more in the broader sense, it's um, it's so absurd that it's, you know, it's of no real consequence. I mean, it has a has an impact in the in the sense that it obviously it loads Barcelona with an awful lot of cash, and they will almost certainly spend it, but some of it before um, the window shuts. But I, I don't think, as a result, that will become a standard price for footballers of a certain ability. I, I because I, I I think also one of the one of the sort of the the issues here is that he is not a player. You know, there are there are maybe at any given time about five players in world football who just don't have a fee. Like probably Leo Messi is one of them. Um, you know, I previously assumed Neymar was was another. You know, they, they they're not for sale at any price, so you just they don't really have a value in the market. Um, but so I I think it's an unusual transfer in the sense that I I think there was a very special set of circumstances which have allowed it to happen. I think some of those are explainable by Neymar's father. <laughs> he seems to he, he loves that money. Um, mm. So yeah. Mm. Uh, Rewo asks, guys, are you planning to make a similar series about European championships and or from other continents somewhere uh, sometime in, in the future? He was commenting on one of our World Cup videos. Rewo, we may well do that. We have no plans to do it at the moment, but we really enjoyed making the World Cup series. So that is potentially something that we will look to do in the future. And Joe MC has said a couple of times, I think it's a couple of times, it might be someone else, has asked why... Um, the the podcast is not available on the UK iTunes. I think it is. I mean, to, to give you a little insight into uh, the frustrations, uh, daily working frustrations of myself, um, my computer, for some reason, has decided to reject uh, allowing me to use iTunes. It just doesn't work. So, Seb, you might be quite useful here, actually. Have you got iTunes? I do, yeah. Do you want to... Let's do this live, like it's... We're Ooh, announcing someone being kicked out of the Big Brother house or something. Well, okay. Can you go right. onto the iTunes store, have a look on the podcast section, and Google whiteboard football. Uh, don't Google it. That would, that doesn't make any sense. So you use the search football. function to look for whiteboard football extra. That's the name of the podcast. All right. Okay. Because uh, to my understanding, it, it, it does exist on there. No, no, it's definitely there. Yeah. And you are currently in the UK. I'm currently in the UK. I'm currently in the iTunes store and mm. um you know it, it is down under whiteboard football extra but if in doubt um just just search umax at football and they will all come up yeah try that okay joe mc i hope that's helped if not you can um be more specific in your youtube comment let us know what why it's not working or if you really want you can send an email to support at umaxit.com because uh, that doesn't mm-hmm. go to me and someone else will deal with it. Delightful. Oh, yeah, Delightful. So, so it's absolutely somebody else's problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, I try and ensure that it will be. Um, okay, Seb, thanks very much for your time. It's a delight to talk to you. You too, Joe. And we'll speak to you again soon.